It's good to be together tonight to join our hearts and our voices in song and to admonish one another about the importance of following the command of our Savior to love one another. You know, most of the times that's pretty easy to do. We are lovable people, some of us especially more than others, but we are lovable people. We're trying to be honest and people of integrity, but sometimes it's difficult and sometimes selflessness requires sacrifice. And so we must always be on guard against Satan and his schemes or his wiles, as is stated in Peter's letter, to make sure that we are addressing the things that need to be addressed and be reminded of the things of which we need to be reminded in order to be about faithful service to him. I invite you to go back to the Old Testament book of Exodus, chapter 23, where we're going to begin here in just a moment or two. As was stated, we are so grateful to have visitors with us. We have some who are new to this area, some who are moving in for work, some who are coming because of education. Whatever your reason for being here, we're just so very grateful for your presence. I want us to talk, to talk tonight about a, a subject that I think is important. Of course, no preacher ever talks about a subject that he thinks is unimportant. Uh, we don't just develop sermons just for the purpose of developing sermons. Uh, but I actually thought about this topic while mowing the grass. You know, when you're mowing the grass, you get caught into that days of one row, another row, another row, and, and that, my yard is done by that point. <laughs> it seems like it takes forever. But the fact of the matter is, I thought about this, and I think it's important for us to talk about the importance of rumors, the importance of gossip, tail-bearing, and making sure that we are cautious about the way that we use our tongues. We're not even going to address James 3 tonight, and we could. Our young people have recently been studying the epistle of James, and we just finished up a study of James 3 last evening in talking about the importance of how we use our tongue and the wisdom that comes from above versus the wisdom that is demonic and sensual and earth-based. And it's important for us to understand that when it comes to tail-bearing, when it comes to gossip, when it comes to talking about others behind their backs and, and being a bearer of secrets, that we need to be cautious. I want us to talk tonight in a little bit of a different type of sermon. And I knew that as I was mowing the grass that it was going to be a little bit different as you begin to formulate the outlines of what you want to talk about. I want us to start with why it is that gossip is dangerous and just establish three very basic reasons why it is so dangerous. Then I want us to look at the Bible. That's what we've come together to do tonight after all. And I want us to look at about 12 or 14 passages mostly in the Old Testament, but some of those in the New Testament as well. And then I want us to do something a little bit different, and that is we have some principles or some practical principles about gossip that I want us to conclude with. And then I believe the most important part that we'll say for the end. You know, we almost always end with an invitation, but I want us to start with an invitation tonight, going into a little bit of housekeeping, and that is this is a group that is very social. This is a group that is very much about talking to others. And that's a good thing as long as you're talking about the right kinds of things. But we, I think it goes without saying, but whenever you say it, it goes without saying, you always say what goes without saying. 
But David and I are at your service. If you have someone that you want us to study with, if you have someone that you want us to engage in discussions about biblical studies, we are happy to do so. I know that goes without saying, but sometimes you might run into someone that you say, well, I'd like to sure study with them, but I don't have all the answers. Well, David does have all the answers. I have some of the answers. Uh, But together, we will come up with the answers from God's word. And we're happy to do that. The other thing is we've uh, made a couple of references today as as a housekeeping thing to emails that update you about those who are sick or those who need help. And some of you may be thinking, well, I don't ever get emails or I don't ever get those updates. Uh, If that's the case, it's not on purpose. It's not because we don't like you. Uh, It's because we don't have your email address. So just see David or see me and we'll make sure that we get you into the loop. Or you can even see David Creech as well as he manages one of our lists as well. So why is gossip dangerous? Let me suggest, number one, at the outset, that gossip is dangerous because it can cost you your soul. If you engage in gossip, you say, I'm going to talk about someone behind their back, and we'll define gossip a little more finely tuned here in just a moment or so. But if you are engaged in this evil tail-bearing where you are trying to tear others down rather than build them up, it is sinful, it will cost you your soul, and you can spend an eternity in hell for gossip as much as you can for adultery and fornication and murder. So it's serious. So we're talking about a serious subject tonight and making sure that we use our speech and guard our speech wisely. Secondly, gossip is dangerous because it destroys relationships among people, including among friends. I appreciate our brother Bobo singing those songs, leading those songs tonight, which remind us about just some angry words that are spoken in behest or that are spoken behind someone's back, if we're not careful, it will destroy your relationship. It will destroy, not only that, it can destroy reputations, including those of the speaker and those of the intended or those who you intended not to hear about it in the first place. So it's just dangerous. It's ugly. It is evil speech. You know, as our, as our good brother Derek was reading from the book of Proverbs, and I obviously chose Proverbs because we're going to spend uh, a good five to ten minutes in Proverbs tonight. You almost get sad reading some of those verses that Derek was reading because it reminds us of all of the ugliness that we see in the world that we don't ever want to see in our own lives, nor do we ever want to see that in a church situation. And all of us have known churches, at least I think we have, unfortunately, that have been torn asunder or at least have been stressed because people are talebearers. Because there are individuals who, rather than keeping their nose to the grindstone and minding their own business, they get involved in someone else's business and think that it's theirs to, tell those, uh, to, to bear those tales to someone else. One might think, as we develop this study, that the Bible only speaks about the big sins that really matter. And I think we do a good job. We've had some invitation talks just in the last four to six weeks that have talked about There's no such thing as big sins versus small sins. There are sins that keep us from God and faithful service to him. But the Bible speaks about gossip, tail-bearing, whispering, and the like on multiple occasions. And by definition, to gossip is to engage in idle talk, to engage in rumor, especially about personal or private affairs of others. And let me go a little bit further, almost exclusively with the intent to share bad information. 
I mean, if you come to me and say, can you guess what this member of the church did? I said, well, I'm a little nervous about what you're going to say. I said, well, that person took me to the doctor. That person sacrificed three hours of her time to help me. Well, that's not gossip. You're not bearing tales. You're building someone up in that process. And I think we all understand the difference between that kind of speech versus let me tell you something that I know about this person. And sometimes we feel empowered because we have that information. More on that as we conclude in just a few moments. But I want to talk about what the Bible and gossip speak of. And I want to go back to the beginning, all the way back to Exodus. You know, as I was preparing for this particular uh, lesson over the past few weeks and thinking about it both on, both while mowing and then after mowing, I thought I'm going to be spending a lot of time in Proverbs, and I am. But I had never spent the time looking at Exodus 23. You know, we look at Exodus by looking at the first couple of chapters, and then we look maybe at chapters 5, 6, 7, and 8 where we have the plagues. Then we kind of maybe hit 14. Then we kind of skip to 20 because that's a big one. And then it's a blur from there. Now, we are good Bible students who read the entirety of the text and appreciate everything that is found therein. But here's something that I had never noticed before, and I freely admit I never noticed it before. And go back to chapter 23, where in verse 1 it says, You shall not. Now, that's very exodus-y, right? You shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. I never noticed that before. You might, you probably should say, shame on you, preacher. You should have noticed that passage a long time ago. In fact, I remember a few weeks ago walking down to David's office saying, guess what I found in Exodus 23 verse 1? I didn't even know it was there. He said, I sure knew it was there. (laughs) But it's there. At the very beginning, at the foundation of the commandments that would be Jewish law, on which so much of the New Testament Christianity is then therefore expounded, do not circulate a false report. Don't be a gossip. If you want to write out in your margin, don't be a gossip. That's what that passage is telling us, among other things. Yes, it goes deeper than that, but that's what it's telling us. Now flip over just a few pages to the book of Leviticus. Now, the book of Leviticus is also sometimes a difficult book to study from, to preach from, to, to, uh, to teach from. But in chapter 19 and verse 16, the Bible says, You shall not go about as a talebearer among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. That's Leviticus 19, verse 16. Read the first half one more time. You shall not go about as a talebearer. Your versions may say a gossip or a whisperer among your people. Nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. It's as if he's saying, I'm the Lord. Don't do this. That's exactly what he is saying here. And so it's clear to me that at the outset of creation, from the very beginning, God wanted us to exercise caution with our speech regarding others. There are things that you and I may know or we may think we know about someone else. But it's not necessary at all times to share that information with others. Which takes us to the Old Testament and takes us to the book of Proverbs. And I want to look at about five different Proverbs that all highlight the same thing. And our brother David Delk is doing an excellent job on Wednesday evenings of taking us through the book of Proverbs 
And we've talked about a number of different things, but this is appropriate for us to spend just uh, four or five minutes looking at these five or six passages together and just meditating on them for a moment or two. First of all is Proverbs chapter 11 in verse 13. A talebearer or a whisperer or a gossip reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. And typically, when we think about concealing, we think about hiding something. And generally, that is of a negative connotation, the idea of I'm hiding something. If you know something that's damaging about another, if you know something wherein another person maybe uh, acted a certain way or conducted himself a certain way, and maybe that person's trying to work through that on his or her own, and you say, well, I have the information. I'm not going to conceal this. You are in violation of the wisdom principle as outlined in Proverbs 11, where it says, he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Turn over, if you would, in the book of Proverbs to chapter 18. We'll spend just 30 seconds on each of these Proverbs or so. But turn over to Proverbs 18. This time, look at verse 8 with me. The words of a talebearer are like tasty trifles, and they go down into the inmost body. Jump back up to verse 6, and you can say, well, you're, you're leaving out a number of Proverbs. If we were to read every proverb that dealt with talebearing and gossip, we'd be here a long time, and it'd be an awful long sermon. A fool's lips enter into contention, and his mouth calls for blows. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the snare of his soul. And it's in that context in verse 8 that the words of a talebearer or one who is a gossip are like tasty trifles. In chapter 20 of the book of Proverbs, in verse 1, in verse 1, notice what it says. Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler. And whoever led astray by it is not wise. Drop down to verse 3. Against this idea of being sober-minded in the way that you conduct yourself, in the way that you behave yourself, it is honorable for a man to stop striving, since any fool can start a quarrel. And so I put those two verses together there, and I should have put up verse 3 as well. But the fact is, is when we are not focused on what God wants us to be focused on, whether that be because of an intoxicating beverage, whether that be because of intoxicating speech, whether that be because of the activities in which we are involved, it is in violation of the principle of wisdom as outlined in God's great book of wisdom, the book of Proverbs. Turn over to Proverbs 26 and verse 20. Proverbs 26 and verse 20. We could go back and reread the whole section that Brother Derek read for us. But just look at verse 20. Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. We know that principle. Anybody that has ever had a campfire or a wood-burning stove understands when you don't have fuel, the fire goes out. And where there is no talebearer or gossip or slanderer or whisperer, strife ceases. Which brings me to that kind of cliche concept that it takes two to gossip, which 
you could put an asterisk next to that because that's not totally true because you're still gossiping if you're the one. But the whole point of it, and I understand the point, is if I'm listening to it, I'm participating as well. So just put up the stop sign and say, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want to have that discussion with you. And then in verse 22, if we were to read down there where it says, The words of a talebearer, again, like tasty trifles, they go down into the inmost body. We are allowing the passages to speak for themselves tonight. And so without any further ado, I want to go and look at some New Testament passages. Because if you're like me, when I think about gossip in the Bible, my mind immediately goes to Proverbs. I didn't think about Exodus 23 or Leviticus 19. And I really didn't think much about the New Testament because I thought there was so much in the book of Proverbs. Well, I want to spend just a few moments before we end with some principles and applications in the New Testament. Turn, if you would, to the Gospel according to Matthew. Matthew's account of the life and the parables and the teachings and the miracles of Jesus. Matthew chapter 15, beginning in verse 11. And I want us to read all the way through verse 20. This is a familiar text. You say, well, this isn't talking about gossip itself. And I agree. But it's talking about the way that we use our speech in similar ways that James, one of our other Bible writers, talks about. He says, not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of a mouth, this defiles a man. And his disciples came and they said, and this is one of those occasions where going back to Brian's class, I can just see Jesus frustrated with his disciples, saying, you're still not getting it. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? At which point I would have said, bless their hearts. But verse 13, Jesus says, patiently but yet firmly, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into the ditch. Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. Jesus says, are you still without understanding? Do you not understand yet that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceeds, here we go, evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These things... These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands, which is what you're so concerned about on this occasion, this does not defile a man. So verse 19, we can spend a lot of time in verse 19, but there are two things that jump out to me in verse 19. The first thing that jumps out to me in looking at it through the lens of our study tonight is the idea of evil thoughts. When a person is a talebearer, when a person is a gossip, that is not pure motive. That is evil thinking. And furthermore... He says, not just thefts and adulteries and murders, but secondly, false witness. And we know that bearing false witness goes back again to the very beginning. That we are not to be sharing information with others that is to be otherwise concealed. Turn if you would, and we're going to look at these passages in the order in which they occur in the New Testament. And we're not looking at all the passages that we could turn to. But I want to look at Romans chapter 1, verse 29. Romans chapter uh, 1 is, to me, a, a rough text. It's, it's a difficult text to read 
because it points out things that everyday human beings like you and me can easily become involved in. And sobering. And it reminds us of the changes that we need to make as outlined later in Paul's letter to the church at Rome. But if you would go back to verse 28. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do things which are not fitting. So things that are debased and that are not fitting, what are they? Unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. I didn't finish it, did I? And I didn't finish it on purpose. Because they are whispers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do, do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. So I didn't go through and underline in my Bible all the different references and sub-references, but I can just easily, looking and reading that text quickly, I find more than one reference to gossip in that lengthy list of things that are not fitting for those who are called according to Christ. And he says in verse 32, it's not just a matter of you participating in those things, it's you being approving of those things. And that really raises the stakes for me and for you. That we cannot be gossips, nor can we be participants, nor can we be fans of it, nor can we be listeners, nor can we be approvers. In the same book, Romans chapter 12, which is probably one of my favorite chapters of the book because it just just reaches out with such practical teachings. He says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Those three sentences, to me, all speak about gossip. The first of those sentences in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12 says, Let love be without hypocrisy. If you have a pure love, you will not gossip. If you have a hypocritical love, it will be very easy to gossip. Abhor what is evil means abhorring all the things outlined in Exodus 23, Leviticus 19, Proverbs 11, 18, 20, 26. And the other passages that we've skipped over this evening. And the third thing is cling to what is good. Hold close the things that are valuable and pure and righteous, which means putting away all the evil speech and the things that are otherwise inappropriate for us to be engaged in. Turn over, if you would, to Paul's second recorded letter to the church at Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 19. Notice what is written. Again, it's a list. Paul gets on these rolls where he says, there's lots of things I need to talk about. And it's almost as if Paul, as any preacher, could say, well, I could, I could write further. I could talk longer. But I won't. I'll just mention it real quickly here. So what does he say? He says, again, do you think that we excuse ourselves to you? We speak before God and Christ. But we do all things, beloved, for your edification. 
And the reason that I'm saying all these things, including the difficult things of the preceding 11 chapters and the difficult things of the preceding 16 chapters in my previous letter, the reason I'm telling you this is because I'm fearful. I'm concerned. And my concern is this, that when I come and visit you, I shall not find you as I wish, and that I shall be found by you such that you do not wish. I always thought that was kind of interesting. I'm going to come and I'm going to see you and you're, I'm not going to like what I see. And when you see me, you're not going to like what you see because I'm not going to be happy. It's like a parent saying, I come home and if this place is not cleaned up, I am not going to be happy. And Paul says, if I come to the church of Corinth and you haven't cleaned up your act, I'm afraid that what you're going to think about my face, about my actions, about my words to you. Lest I come to you and there be all these things, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, backbitings, whisperings, conceits, tumults. Lest when I come again, my God will humble me among you and I shall mourn for many who have sinned. These are all sins, by the way in case we were unclear about that, before and have not repented of the being unclean, fornication, and lewdness, which they have practiced. You know, Paul is a very loving, joyful apostle who is uplifting and optimistic. But when he is trying to get a message across about something that is serious and severe, he lets you have it right between the eyes. And that's exactly what he just did here. He says, this should not be named among you. And remember, who is he writing to at Corinth? He's not writing to the city leaders. He's not writing to the city council. He's writing to the church. He's writing to Christians. And if Christians in the first century dealt with these things, we would be very amiss to think, well, we would never deal with these things in 21st century churches in North America. I mean, look how advanced we are. Not so. Paul says... That these words are timeless, and we know that they are, both for those in the first century as well as those of us in the 21st century. Turn over to the letter to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 29. Verse 29 says, it's the verse that I've suggested you memorize. Let's see if I can remember it. But let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth except that which is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Your version may be a little bit different. That's okay. Some have said verse 29 should be memorized in your relationship with your parents. No corrupt word. In your relationship with your children. No corrupt word. In your relationship with your spouse. No corrupt word. In your relationship with your employees, employers, and fellow workers. No corrupt word, no putrid word, no, no ugliness should come out of your mouth. Only the things that are going to build up others and impart grace to them. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And then here we go. Let all bitterness, let all wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Evil speaking would include, but not be limited to, of course, gossip and tailbearing. And be kind to one another. Be tenderhearted. Be forgiving even as God and Christ also forgave you. 
We don't have the time to go and really delve into the context of 1 Timothy chapter 5. If you just look at a couple of verses in the first uh, part of chapter 5, you see that he's talking about widows and how a church can and should support certain widows uh, in their time of need. But one of the things that he says here is he says, you need to be careful about younger widows. And this is especially in a time where you didn't have a social safety network uh, and you did not have uh, ways to provide financially for those who were without a man to provide for them. And he says in verse 13, he says, besides, if we're not careful and if they're not careful, these individuals, and this is not just about women, this is about all of us as men and women, we might learn to be idle We wander about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies, saying things which they ought not. That's tough to hear sometimes, but it's important for us to put into practice. And I made reference to James chapter 3 at the beginning of our study. I just want to briefly touch on James 4 and verse 11, where he says... Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. If you want to memorize the first sentence of verse 11, that'd be pretty easy. Don't speak evil. Don't say mean stuff. Make it even simpler. Don't say mean stuff of your brothers. Don't speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. And he reminds us that there's only one lawgiver. And that we need to be careful about our language and careful about our words. And finally, Peter's first recorded letter, Peter's first letter, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Laying aside all malice, laying aside all deceit, laying aside hypocrisy, laying aside envy, and lay aside evil speaking. Then he goes on and he says, if you've indeed tasted that the Lord is gracious... All of us who are Christians have tasted the Lord's graciousness. And consequently, we are to use our speech in appropriate fashions. You say, well, that's a lot of verses that you went through. Well, the Bible talks about gossip and talebearing and speech an awful lot. I want to conclude in a way that's a little bit different, but I think it's important for us. And I appreciate you bearing with me as we conclude with what I've come up with is seven principles about gossip. Principle number one, or fact number one, is this. Just because something is said doesn't mean it's true. Right? We all understand that. But we hear things all the time. We'll talk about the news here in just a moment or two when we get down to number five. But we hear things, well, I heard this, it must be true. It was on the internet, (laughs) so it must be true. You know, Abraham Lincoln said on the internet that you, well, see, you've seen those memes before. Just because something is said doesn't mean it's true. Number two, just because something is true doesn't mean it's necessary to share it. And again, this goes back to where we begin. Some people, and all of us to a degree, for whatever reason, we are engineered, some of us, that if we've got information, oh, I want to share this so badly. Especially if it's going to make someone else look bad. Because when I make someone else look bad, what do I do to myself? Well, in theory, I think I make myself look better. But to fellow Christians, I'm making myself look smaller. 
We look and say, no, that's not the kind of behavior of a Christian that we are trying to be embodying. Number three, just because you know something, true or not, doesn't mean it needs to be shared. Go back to the Proverbs. Go back to the idea of being able to conceal a secret. And it reminds me, uh, yes, as Brother David and I were talking about, David Creech and I were talking about, of uh, one of the classic Andy Griffith episodes where the women were all accused of gossiping all around Mayberry. And then Aunt B turned it on them. And then the men were the gossips in the barbershop. You've seen that episode. If you haven't, I encourage you to do so. Not now. Don't YouTube it. But the fact of the matter is, is it's not just a matter of we're just sharing news. There are sometimes news that doesn't need to be shared. I grew up in a house, and I've shared this illustration before, but I grew up with my father serving as a shepherd for a period of time. And there were things that he knew that he never shared with us, obviously, and we never pried. And it's one of those things that if you pry and say, well, tell me what's going on, you may regret what you wished for. <laughs> Please stop telling me. I don't want to know anymore. But I remember phone calls that would transpire where my mom would be counseling someone or she'd be studying with someone. And I remember one particular occasion where I asked her, what was that all about? She says, it's none of your business what it's about. And she was right. It wasn't my business. And I said, okay. I was just asking innocently. But the point that she was making is one that I remember now some 25 years later or so, and that is, it's not necessarily my business to know what someone else is going through. Number four, just because I don't know the person doesn't make it okay to engage in the gossip. Sometimes we think, well, this person will not be harmed by me because I don't even know the person. I'm just talking about him. Well, you're still engaging in the very speech that Solomon says, do not do, and that Jesus speaks about, and that Paul writes about explicitly time and time again. I referenced number five just a minute or so ago, and that is for all of us. Uh, I, I like news um, to a degree. Um, I shared, well, I'm not going to share. I'll, I almost shared something that I won't share, but uh, I shared it with David a couple days ago uh, and someone with whom we were studying. But I like reading news, especially about certain kinds of things. But we live in such a news-driven culture, which is so rooted in, guess what you heard about this person, this politician, this celebrity, this particular local leader. And because we are in this news broadcasting coming at us 100 miles an hour culture, we fill ourselves with all kinds of bad or inaccurate news about others. And sometimes for all of us, and the lesson for me is what do we do to the news? What should we do to the news? We all have that red button on the remote. Just turn it off. Now, there's nothing wrong with keeping up. Please don't misquote me with what's going on in the world and the weather, and there are people who are suffering in various parts of the world that we can be praying for. And so the news can be good, and that it reminds us of those things. And those of us who are on social media need to be careful about what we choose to post, what we choose to look at, what we choose to like, right? we got to be careful about that. Because not only are we, we can't say, well, I, I didn't say it, I just liked it. Reminds me of individuals who post pictures that are inappropriate, use language that is inappropriate, 
And then they say, I like that. And I cringe sometimes as I'm scrolling through, as I'm on some social media, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I hope I don't see a Christian. That's my, that's my first thought. I hope I don't see any of my brethren liking this, because I want to get off that. I want to move, scroll down someone else. Maybe unfriend that person if necessary. But the fact of the matter is, is we've got to be wary of a culture where everything is about gossip and getting someone and the gotcha sequence. Number six, we can talk about a concern about another person as we should. We've got brethren that we're concerned about with their physical needs. We pray publicly about brothers and sisters who have walked away and we are worried about or concerned about spiritually. But we should always evaluate what's the motive. Is my motive to tear the person down or is my motive to build up this person? I had a conversation with one of our shepherds just a couple of days ago about a member who's uh, not as strong as he or she needs to be. And we were talking about who's made contact and what kind of contact's been made and are we having success in getting that person back where he or she needs to be? What's the motive there? Our motive is to build up and to help and to save the soul. And that's different than everything we've read about in the book of Proverbs and Matthew, Romans, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, 1 Timothy, and James, and 1 Peter as well. And number seven, the best practice, at least it seems to me and is outlined in various passages, if there's a question in need of an answer, the best thing to do is to go directly to the person involved. And we talked about that a little bit on Wednesday evening in our Bible class in Proverbs. And we acknowledge that that's a difficult thing to do because we don't want to be the ones seeming to be judgmental. We are afraid of the answer. Sometimes there are certain people, I hope that it's not brothers and sisters in Christ, that you want to be able to hold a grudge or hold it over the person. So you don't want to address it because if the person says, I'm sorry, then you're going to say, well, i got to forgive them. That's not the Christian attitude. That's not the attitude of what we are supposed to be. Now... Let me conclude with this, and that is what I referenced would be the most important part of the sermon. Why did I preach this sermon? Please don't go out tonight and start gossiping as to why I preached this sermon. Why did he preach that? I preached it because I thought about it while I was mowing. (laughs) But I also preached about it because I thought it was important, and it was the truth. And I think that every so often we need to be reminded of these things. Because... This church has its strengths, as I talked about last Sunday, and it has its weaknesses because we are human beings. And all it takes is just a little bit of that gossip to creep in. A little bit over here in this corner, this corner, this aisle, that pew, whatever the case may be. And then a little bit festers. And then it grows into a cancer. And then before we... Or as Brother David Delk talked about, before the shepherds have their chance to wrap the, our arms around it and say, we've got to get this thing controlled, it's too late. And if you've not known of churches that have been torn asunder because of tail-bearing and gossip, I suppose in some ways that's, I'm, I'm, I'm glad for you because you've been spared seeing that. But if you've ever seen that, you know how difficult it is to watch and to see it unfold. And I think we all, because we love this church so much, 
because it is such a wonderful group that we don't want that to happen ever. And we've got to be on guard against it. That's why I preach the sermon. So no, there's no underlying that I'm aware of, at least that I'm speaking about now. There may be, I don't know. I suppose if I knew about it, then maybe I'd be participating in it. My point is simply, let's just be on guard. Let's be careful about rumors, gossip, and tail-bearing, and make sure that we do what the Lord has asked us to do. As we began tonight, I conclude, and that is simply with an invitation, an invitation that if you need to make your life right with God, or maybe you want to study, or you know someone that wants to study, we stand ready. Not just David, not just me, but all of us. We are filled with so many great men and women of spiritual maturity that will sit down and study and counsel you on scriptures and help you with these spiritual things. And we'd love the opportunity to help you to either draw closer to God or to become a Christian. And that's what we're inviting you to do tonight if you haven't already. By being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, having repented of those sins and saying, I confess Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God. I believe that's who he is. And I want to be baptized this very evening. If we're here and we're able to help you, we want to do so. If we can in any way, let us know while we stand, while we sing.